federal cabinet ministers fanned out to big cities as they want to do, big cities where they need votes, to announce that measures to freeze the number of handguns in this country are now in effect. The Prime Minister and Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino says we've seen handgun crime go up in the country, and they were in the Vancouver area in Surrey today. Here is Marco Mendicino. Going forward today, um, it will be illegal to buy, sell, transfer, uh, or bequeath handguns. This is a significant stride forward towards smart, sensible uh, gun policy to keep our communities safe. So how does it work? Well, people who still own guns can uh, or still use their existing registered handguns or sell or transfer them to, quote, exempted individuals. Who is exempt? Anyone who already holds an authorization to carry a handgun. Anyone else? You're out of luck. The opposition conservatives say the freeze will do nothing to prevent gun violence. Here is public safety critic Raquel Dancho. Conservatives uh, are very concerned about the rise of gun violence in Canada. We also believe in very strict gun laws in Canada. What we won't be doing is dividing Canadians and politicizing firearms. Now, of course, the freeze is part of a broader firearms control package before Parliament that calls for the automatic removal of gun licenses from people committing domestic violence or engaged in criminal harassment, such as stalking. It also increases maximum sentences for gun smuggling and trafficking to 14 years. But let's try to make sense of this freeze. How how effective will it actually be? You heard the public safety minister say it is great policy. You heard the opposition say it'll fail. So let's try to get to the truth in here. And to help us uh, do that is both an expert and a former police officer all in one. Joining me now is Scott Blanford, again, a former tactical officer with the London Police in Ontario and now an assistant professor and program coordinator in the Policing and Master of Public Safety program at Wilfrid Laurier University. Thanks so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's never uh, a coincidence that these announcements are made on a Friday. Um, The Liberals have been trying to get as much media mileage as they can out of these ones. What did you make of today's announcement? You knew it was coming. How how effective will a handgun ban be? Well, it's a very controversial topic, obviously, and it's one of those situations where everyone has an opinion. And my concern would be that has the decision been made based on evidence? Or is it a political decision to a take the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. That's the easy one to go after the lawful gun owners and the lawful distributors and sellers of of handguns. And is it really getting to the root problem, which, to my opinion, is the illegal flow of of firearms, be they handguns or long rifles, into Canada across the borders? Right. And, of course, where you are in London, Ontario, you know full well that's on one of the routes that, you know, right near the Windsor border. Um, Can it both be good politics and good policy at the same time if other measures are in place to try to fight what you're talking about? Well, it takes a concentrated effort across a number of different spectrums. It's not just legislation and it's not just a uh, an outright ban. That's not going to solve the problem. That's just a band-aid to the underlying problem, which is the proliferation of handguns and, and illegal guns coming into the country. You mentioned being here in London. Uh, back in May, uh, there was a drone that flew across the river from Michigan to the Sarnia side of Ontario with a bag of 11 handguns. So they're, they're being smuggled across in all sorts of ingenious and creative ways. And what it's identified is that our border is far too porous. It's just, it's a huge border. And where do you start to try and enforce this? So coming out with a band that goes specifically after a type of firearm is, is only 
a band-aid solution to the larger problem of firearms in general. So there needs to be a synergistic approach of how they're going to deal with these situations. And that the uh, Canadian Association Chiefs of Police put out a, uh, a statement about this very legislation. And, and they said that they believe that a handgun freeze is one method of reducing access. And it's a very well-crafted uh, response because it, it acknowledges the, the issues. But they go on to say, we continue to maintain that restricting lawful handgun ownership will not meaningfully address the real issue, which is illegal handguns obtained from the United States that have led to the disturbing current trend in gun violence, largely related to gangs, street gangs, and sophisticated organized crime units. So they acknowledge that it, it takes a, a multi-pronged approach to address this and simply coming out with a piece of legislation, although it makes great news on a Friday night, it's not really going to get to the root cause of the problem. Yeah, in your experience, I mean, just how much of an issue is the legal? I mean, we know what the we know what the uh, what the examples put out are when it comes to why this is necessary, whether it be handguns being stolen, handguns being used in the heat of the moment, and so forth. Uh, but you're right; it doesn't. I mean, that while that may be a problem, it doesn't feel like it's the big problem. No, it's it's not. I, I have some uh, statistics here that were gathered by a, a colleague, and it looked at Toronto Police. And this is one of the problems that I, I'll speak to in a moment. But these statistics came from the Toronto Police, who do keep fairly accurate records. And for this year, there were 116 firearms seized from January to August 29th of this year. 80 of them were prohibited weapons. 24 were restricted. Restricted would generally indicate a, a handgun. And then non-restricted, which would be your long rifles, your shotguns, your rifles, only 11 were seized. So out of that, the prohibited weapons, which are the, the outright illegal ones, which I would suggest probably the vast majority of them have come in from across the border or have been modified from their restricted status by the addition of a sear switch. The, one of the uh, stats shows that uh, 11 of those weapons of the 80 prohibited has a sear switch. A sear switch allows a pistol to become full automatic. When you look at those stats just on the face of them, the vast majority of firearms that are being seized in Toronto are prohibited, which means they're strictly legal. The handgun ban has no impact upon them because they were prohibited prior to the ban. The federal government has spoken as obviously, I mean, the federal and provincial governments, police forces across the country have acknowledged the fact that the border is a big problem. Are you seeing, do you think, enough action? I mean, it's very tough to police that border. When you talk about people flying drones over from Sarnia, it's hard to police the, a border the size of ours with the U.S. Yeah. But is enough being done, do you think, at this point in time? Are you seeing the kinds of actions you would hope to see to try to curb, to try to address what seems to be the real root cause here? Right now, there is no requirement for police organizations to trace handguns that are used in crimes. So without a federal database to say where these guns are coming from, how do you target those gun smugglers, the large numbers? What you're relying upon is the uh, the border officers to you know, pick off the one here and the two there that are being brought in illegally. But the vast majority of guns that are being brought in are coming in en masse and are coming in in those porous areas. And without the intelligence to properly target the resources that we have, considering how big the border is, it's the proverbial needle in a haystack. So having a way to properly track handguns, rifles, where they're coming in, where they're being used, how they're being used, that's the first step. You need to start collecting the data so you can then begin to target your resources. You would have thought, and, I, and this is obviously wrong, but you would have thought that before making any decision on a policy that 
one would go out and study it and get as much data as humanly possible to figure out whether it was going to work or not. Well, that's evidence-based decision-making, but indeed, it's, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm not about to step into that realm. So I'll leave that to someone more versed in the politics of it. But on the face of it, uh, I would suggest that there, there needs to be deeper research into this to make sure that it's being targeted properly, no pun intended, that the data and the evidence is being used to target the actual problem and not the symptoms. Scott Blanford is with us. He's a former tactical officer with the London Police Service in Ontario, now an assistant professor and program coordinator uh, with the Policing and Master of Public Safety program at Wilfrid Laurier University. We're talking about the liberal gun freeze or the federal government's gun freeze, handgun freeze that came into effect today. Um, the government, of course, uh, touting the many benefits of it. The opposition saying that it'll, it will be a failure, at least to quote what they're saying, police say it's going to be a failure. Uh, we've We've determined the truth lies somewhere in the middle, as it always does. I guess, Scott, one of the things that always pops up when a government's really focused on a certain piece of legislation, passing that legislation, promoting that legislation, sometimes it's to the detriment of other things, uh, such as at the solutions you were talking about. Uh, Again, is there a downside to this legislation, do you think? Well, anyone has gone through the process to obtain their PAL possession acquisition license, which I have, uh, even being a tactical officer and, and a police officer for as long as I was, 30 years, I still had to go through the process, which I, I think is a, the way it should be. But it's a very onerous process. You have to complete a training course. You have to write an exam. You have to submit for record checks. You have to have references that are checked. And at any given time, if a lawful gun owner uh, becomes involved with police and, and it creates a flag on the system, they could have that license revoked at any time. So they're basically being record checked every time they have involvement with the police. So the vast majority of lawful gun owners are probably the most uh, law-abiding people that you have in your communities because they don't want to lose that, that privilege of being able to use those firearms for hunting and for target shooting. Now, because of this ban, it has, in, in some ways, delegitimized their, their ability to have these. And as a result, they could find themselves on the wrong side of the law. And is that really what the intent was? I would suggest the intent was to to protect the public, protect the, the, the vulnerable members of our population, and make sure that we have a system in place that will prevent firearms being used in violence. But statistically, based on the numbers I just had mentioned earlier about Toronto, non-restricted firearms, which are the vast majority of gun owners, uh, which are long rifles and shotguns, there's only 11 that have been seized as a result of crime. The vast majority are those illegal handguns that have been modified and are coming in from offshore. So the legislation looks good on the face of it today, but the problem is, as I said, it's a Band-Aid. It's not addressing the underlying cause of where these guns are coming from. And without having a tracking system through police organizations, through Statistics Canada, to target those resources and make those evidence-based decisions, it's almost impossible to stem the tide of those uh, handguns coming into the country. You must know as well as I do as you travel through the province, though, that it is a popular uh, measure in big cities where a lot of yes. votes are. And, and, and that's part of the issue, right? I mean, I guess what we really need now, and you said it earlier, you know, we know that issues with handgun crimes are going up. We know that uh, people are concerned about it. Uh, but really what we need to do is figure out what exactly the problem is before we jump in and start legislating it because it feels like half measures just aren't going to work. We're going to see more gun crime or at least as much gun crime. Um, and not much of a solution with this legislation. 
Well, and that's one of the problems we have with Canada being so large and so diverse in populations with rural and urban. Uh, you know, a solution for the urban population is not necessarily a good solution for the, the rural population. Mm-hmm. And these types of, of broad stroke pieces of legislation uh, that address one particular area can negatively impact those other areas. I mean, th- th- this was the cause for the Alberta government looking at their, their sovereignty uh, yeah. legislation where they were going to say, no, we're not going to be involved in the buyback on the, the assault prohibited rifles. firearms, yeah. the assault rifles, yeah. which, I mean, that's a whole other topic. What is an assault rifle? There's no definition. That's another problem with this is that they, they create this legislation and they say we're going to ban assault weapons, but there's no actual definition of what an assault weapon is. So until we have a common lexicon, a common understanding of definitions of what some of these items are, it makes it very difficult. That's one of the problems in reporting crime. When you look at the UCR codes, the Uniform Crime Reporting uh, codes that are used by police to code crimes, there are very, uh, a large number of them can be used to address crimes involving weapons. And depending upon how they're coded, it can skew the actual figures of how guns are being used in crime. So again, there's there's not a standardization there. So it's the old saying, bad data in, bad decisions out. And that seems to be the case here. The best place to start would be with better data. Absolutely. It sounds Absolutely. boring. I mean, it sounds boring, but that's where we need to start. I think so. And and part of that is, is creating a, a standardized process for how these crimes are coded, making sure that guns that are used in crimes are sent for tracing to find out where they came from. Right now, there's no requirement for a, a police service to submit a firearm for tracing. So we may never know the origin of some of these guns. And over a period of years, as they move through the the, the underground, so to speak, you know, the, the, the providence of them get, just gets lost. Scott Bladford, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.